Hello, you are listening to Skip Intro with Lee Chui Lin. I'm joined in the studio by Ian McNally, Julian Yap and Bahe Yusuf. And today we're talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion. I think I said that right. <laughs> we'll have time to get to that in just a little bit. Here it is. <laughs> Alright, so um, it's going to be a very anime-centric show today. I'm going to confess right off the top that I have not seen this. Mm-hmm. So um, someone take it. Tell me what this is. Tell me what went on. So uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is a 1995 anime, I think it was. It was aired on Japanese TV. And it's by a guy called Hideke Eno, who went on to do Shin Godzilla and a lot of other stuff. But when he made the show, he was suffering from depression. And it's become this kind of cornerstone of Japanese anime. It references all the kind of giant robot tropes that we know. Like the opening episode starts with a kid arriving in a city and being told immediately he has to get into a giant, weird, grotesque-looking purple and green robot thing and fight something. And there's no breaks at all for that. And then the episode kind of ends with like a very much a cliffhanger of what's happening. And it just took all these tropes and did them in a really, examined them in an interesting way. And then also, like, how people relate to each other in general. Like, it starts off as, yes, there are robots finding giant monsters thing. And then it goes off the deep end in so many different interesting ways. It's laden with Christian symbology. There's, the monsters are all called angels. They all seem to want to attack this place for no real reason it all seems a bit suspicious you would think the rest of the world would figure out what's going on the world building itself is crazy there's like they call it an event called second impact which wipes out half of humanity into 2000s that leads to like nobody being around and it just builds and builds on the insanity and it also had one of the weirdest endings for an anime that was kind of half down to budget concerns half down to not being able to finish the episode on time because the, the creator wasn't sure what he wanted to do with it and it's still a huge thing years later. They've made four rebuild movies where they essentially reboot the franchise and do it in like same story and then again go completely differently. They made a movie that actually just explains the final two episodes because they actually, the final two episodes devolve down to pencil sketches at times and still imagers and don't make any sense. Like, we kind of make fun about the Game of Thrones petition about um, ma- remaking the ending, but they th- this happened with Neon Genesis Evangelion. Like, the fans were not happy with the ending, and I think they protested and people they petitioned were, for yeah, People a were new so ending. mad, they spray-painted the offices and they sent death threats. And some of those, when he remade the last two episodes as End of Evangelion, he actually put those scenes into the movie. So there's points where they're having some cosmic, metaphysical, psychology, spirituality things going on, and it'll just cut to an audience watching the movie. <laughs> it's just, I, I, and, I, I, you're not selling it for me. Yeah, you didn't really get to any not. of that, right? You just no, saw monster God, fighting. No. Yeah, I didn't want it. I didn't want to get to any of that. Yeah. Look, watching four episodes of this felt like homework for me. <laughs> it just felt like homework. That's I, fair. Yeah, it. I never. I don't watch anime. Never got into it. I watch cartoons. Just. Any, something about the anime thing just doesn't work for me. Mm. I tried watching the sports ones because I love sports. Didn't work for me. Just none of it <laughs> worked for me. You say you didn't enjoy Yuri on Ice? 
I know of it. I just didn't get into it. I didn't. I, I never watched that. But I mean, things like the uh, the football one. I can't think of what it's called. The basketball sl- one. Basketball down. one. Mm. Never got into baseball any of it. Baseball one is fair. Just it just doesn't work for me. Um, I I want to know. So when we're talking about this, then we are talking about the one from '95. There's yeah. only yeah. one. Yeah. Yes. Okay, and it's just series. that it, it happens to be on Netflix now. Yeah, they yes. brought it okay. to Netflix now, which is important because it wasn't available in any real format before this. Mm. Like it was available on VHS and DVD at the time, and then and that's how I actually came across it first. Was renting mm. DVDs out of order and trying to piece together what's going on which is kind of difficult in a show where you already have to piece together what's going on, even if you have all the pieces. Yeah, It's like a four-dimensional puzzle where you're trying to do blindfold in the dark. Yeah, and I think that, that idea that it's finally come to Netflix around the world is, is interesting because, like, like Ian said, there was a point where uh, it was only available on VHS for a long time, and mm-hmm. it's like two episodes of VHS, so it's like a massive box, and, and then the... And then the DVD came out, and even then it came up to I think it was about hundred dollars or plus when it first came out. So it's it's it, it was really out of a lot of people's reach, other yeah. than to go into the black market. Say let's call it. All right. So I mean, it's been it's been uh, now twen- twenty four years mm. um, since it first kind of emerged, and obviously since then there's been like tons of anime, right? There's mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a thriving it's a thriving industry. So what's so special about this one, I guess, that makes it worth revisiting or worth visiting when you have newer ones, when you have others that have been inspired by it, or, you know, it's just, I guess my question really is, and I'm just going to, you know, I think we're aligned on this, but <laughs> what's so great, I yeah. think is my question. I think it's hard to watch this now. I, I think I've always thought of this show as just sort of like the peak, peak anime, like the one that you have to watch. And mm. I think it's, if you're not, familiar with anime don't really have that sort of familiarity with the industry and everything I think it's the way to look at this show is that it's like watching 2001 Space Odyssey for the first time or like watching Citizen Kane for the first time because in anime I think it's the cultural touchstone that a lot of the industry is built around so I think going into it um, so I, I I hadn't I haven't finished it, but going into it, this was my first time, and um, it was sort of very cool to see like the base of a lot of anime that I ha- I haven't seen I haven't even watched that much anime, but even things like which more people will be familiar with things like Akira, um, like the there's a practicality and there's an, it's a real art it's cell animation so watching scene from scene the artistry that goes into it is incredible. The the user interfaces they have in this because they have a big kind of base under the city oh, look man. amazing. Everything just looks like it's all glowing and it all it's it's all things that slowly fill the screen yeah. as alerts go off that just looks beautiful. There's an awful lot of budget helpful static shots of just like a nicely painted road with yeah. a van maybe going over in the distance. There are like shots that are completely unnecessary, but of course they're in this because they needed artists to painstakingly draw them and paint them so beautifully. And it's sort of, um, so we've talked about this before, but Alien, mm-hmm. um, I love Alien, obviously, but a lot of that love is because of the tangibleness, the tangible quality and the physical quality of all of the paneling and the, you know, the tech stuff, the metal quality of everything and 
this one has that. It has the kind of shiny neon um, lights of that, and it reflects off the characters' faces. You know, you have there are well, there are just gifs like going around the internet where you can just see like on loop of the machinery and the me- the mechanisms just going up and down and up and down. And I just watched that for like twenty minutes. Yeah, there's a lot of Thunderbird style launch sequences with like doors closing in massive um, kind of sequence along huge tunnels and things that just look gorgeous in anime i think we're losing you in this right lynn <laughs> i am actually really happy for you guys yeah. that, that's how i feel in this it's like i'm really glad that we have people in here who enjoyed it i'm, yeah. I'm really happy that you're both you know telling me about mechanisms yeah, yeah. And like yeah. user interfaces and i'm but, like okay cool but when you get to the giant robots they're also incredibly cool and but, kind of freaky looking yeah right. for me now the problem having done the research is that now I just find that even anime fans, even anime has got toxic fans because now there's all oh, this sure. discussion about, yeah. mm-hmm. about, oh, it's not the right translation. Oh, why did you change the actors? I'm just like, oh my God. <laughs> but this th- is why we can't have nice things. This is yeah. why we can't have nice things. I mean, they did mess up some things. I mean, they, they, they don't have the licenses to fly me to the moon, which played at the end of every episode. Mm. And I was reminded by listening to uh, Vice Gaming's podcast, they're doing episode by episode breakdowns. Yes. There's a cut that goes straight from a character almost being boiled alive and screaming that goes straight into Fly Me By The Moon. And the editing in this is, it's only 20 minutes long at a time, but when you see it in the actual sequence, the scream doesn't cut out till the song starts, which doesn't usually happen. The sound usually goes beforehand. Just just so you know, Lynn, <laughs> I looked this up. It's not a Frank Sinatra version of Fly yeah. Me no, To The Moon. No. It's karaoke version. Oh, yeah. great. And it's 31 different versions for each yeah. different episode. On the oh, DVD says they did that, yeah. So just so you know, you're on board now. Okay, yeah, please yeah. Yeah. go on. Thank you. And the music is fantastic. There's a, I, From Russia With Love, they rip off a James Bond theme for every time they start having a battle. And uh, there's some things that are... Rip- going to repel people if you're not into anime there's like this kind of funky like almost supermarket disco music that plays whenever they're in the house together and there's a a penguin that lives with them in the house pen pen yeah that's not explained okay finally finally there's your in yeah really there it is are you sure the house penguin is is kind of where i get 10 seconds in the first four episodes maybe yeah, ah, but okay. the, the home. The, the, you see, you. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. But yeah. there is a whole load of weird home life going on as well because Shinji, Shinji, who's piloting the robot and doesn't want to, and it's horrifying for him, lives with the major, and she's a complete professional at work, and she's a massive slob at home, and she lives with a penguin. In case you can't tell, <laughs> um, you know, because of the the constant shifting references that this episode has already produced, we're talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is available on Netflix at the moment, um, which has uh, pretty firmly divided the room. We've got two people who are like, yes, and two people who are like, Cool. Um, So if you want to weigh in, uh, whether it's about this particular anime or any anime that you really, really love, tell us because we want to know. WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at SkipIntroMY. Write us at movies at bfm.my. We'll be back to continue this conversation. Keep it here, BFM 89.9. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM 89.9. Hello, you're listening to Skip Intro with Lynn, Bahe, Julian and Ian. We're talking today about Neon Genesis Evangelion, which I have been assured is a very deeply important anime, which, <laughs> um, you know, has resulted in some hardcore geekery. Okay, so what else did you guys want to talk about? Um, I think there's plenty of hooks that if you are going to watch the show, maybe well, how many how far did you get by here? Four episodes. Four episodes. <laughs> did you stop because you ran out of time or interest? I firmly ran out of interest. Yeah. Right. I that's, was. That's e- 90 minutes. You dedicated a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, okay, but 
it's they kind are of my job. Yeah. But like Ian said, just do the first three episodes. Like, okay, I was like, first three is homework. And I was like, I'll do one more. Yeah. Just to be Extra that. credit. Extra credit, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, but there is a there are hooks in there that like the plot. It's a little bit like J.J. Abrams' mystery box. There's like things that are referred to and not even mentioned again. The kind of start getting these hooks in. Like, why does the robot have a mouth? How can the robot go berserk in the first episode? The like, robot she, has like human teeth as yeah, well and fingernails. And there's all this weird stuff that's hinted at. It's not quite a robot, but it's a very cool looking robot. Lynn's face is just. <laughs> she's not sure. What this is, no. She's not sure what's going on you right know, now. Honestly, like you, you're telling me these things, and I'm like, okay, fine. And then just when I'm like, maybe I'll try human teeth. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just, yeah. Correct. Teeth. Never mind. But they do kind of answer what these things are going on with, and I mean there are. Other other elements which are going to be repellent to people like they are 14 year old kids there's a little bit of anime sexualization of characters going on there's a, well there's a lot of fan service yeah and it's it's kind of gross at times but everything else that it does almost makes up for it i mean yeah. how did you feel watching the main female characters the major and the the, the the scientist who are like mostly they're kind of as like a lot of the time the shots the sexual the sexualized shots are aimed at them but mm-hmm. yet they're both two powerful women in positions of power in this incredibly crazy organization. It's sort of like you have to mentally cut out these scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Because even, I think, I don't know if this was in the original cut, but the Netflix cut does have, there there are a few scenes where there are very quick cuts Mm. and you just see flashes of some cells. And I don't know if that's from the original and that was just put in or they've cut out some scenes completely. But for a lot of them, it's just watching it with a groan, just sort of, oh God. Yeah. You really didn't have to, draw this these are animations you didn't have to draw this from this angle you could have had it from every other (laughs) angle around because it is a compromised production as well like they were doing it for budgets and that's why the robots look so cool is so they can sell toys even though it's actually about depression yeah Yeah, so the characters are great the characterization the character development that's all great but essentially it's about you know this character shinji he's thrown in just in the first episode where he isn't supposed to be driving this robot but he is and he has no choice because his dad has told him to and it's about you know the responsibility of that and not having a purpose as you are as when you are as like a teenager you know you don't have some sort of purpose you're just trying to find yourself and then he still has to go to school and he's like surrounded by all these friends and they're like oh my god the robot are you the robot driver and it's like that but then it's also depression and dealing with um, responsibility over the lives of humans and then finding your purpose but having it taken away again and then having Having other people who share that similar burden, and then trying to find some sort of family when yeah, he doesn't have a family, and having that family slowly deconstruct yeah. themselves because driving these machines is traumatic for these people, and yeah. it just one of them ends up catatonic. People yeah. die. And they don't shy away from it. They don't like, shy away from that kind of stuff. So gruesome. even though they're you've, you've seen what the robot looks like, right? The big purple thing. It kind of looks goofy and everything like that. But you know. There are themes, Lynn. There are themes. Yeah. And it's like, basically, if you... Sure. If the radio you could like, not convey the look on Lynn's face. It's like, you're piecing out. Honestly, all I got, like, like a glimmer of, okay, maybe, was the penguin. Yeah. And, then, and then now we're back with robots. So I'm like... And it's not to say that I don't like anime. Like, yeah. I've enjoyed a fair share, but I don't... I realise I don't have the patience and the the chutzpah to kind of sit through um, seasons after seasons after Mm. seasons. So that's been my problem with anime. And I don't, um, at least for me, again, super happy you guys like it. (laughs) Um, But I I don't see myself having the patience for this one. I completely Mm. get that. Traditionally, I don't really like anime series, TV shows, because knowing that they're 
they've got like 80 episodes and I and there are like OVAs to watch. I'm like, oh God, I don't really don't have that much time. Yeah, but knowing this is one series. And, and there's 20 minutes two, each. Yeah, and there's 20 minutes. There's two movies and there's a reboot and there's one coming out next year as well. Like yeah. that's enough for They're me. They're still going with the rebuild movies. Can I skip the next episode we do on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you guys, I'll yeah. just put you in a studio. Yeah, let's just press record. And yeah. Just, just if there's anything like to sell it to anyone who is hesitant about watching it, it's that it's basically Pacific Rim. Mm. I mean, you start out the first 30 seconds. With better and, characters. Yeah, with better characters. I mean, you start out mm. the first episode and it's an angel fighting an Ava. It's this organic creature fighting this metal creature. Or is it? And then they just like go at it. And the angels, they all change. They're not the same kind of angel. It's, you know, kaiju of the week. It's great. Yeah, you get that element. That you get kaiju of the week. Then you get, um, then you you get know, like psychological Christian, problem Christian of symbology. the week. All this Christian symbology. There's a, there's a giant spear for some reason. It ends up on the moon. Things get wild. Cool. It's, they're short episodes. It's, Give them a go if you have a chance. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we've been talking about Neon Genesis Evangelion. Evangelion, not sure. Um, however, we, we did also want to look at uh, some of the feedback that we've been getting recently because we don't always have a chance to do it on the show. We get carried away. Um, so we'll start off with, I think, um, one that came a little while ago, which was on Pride because oh. we did a little episode um kind of celebrating um, and commemorating Pride Month in our own way, talking about queer characters, queer films, um, and here's what we got. So on Twitter, uh, Gerald says, I thought the insinuation of Bill Rawls from The Wire was done pretty well. Uh, given the time when the series was first aired, they didn't trivialize it by making it a central part of his character. Yeah, I had to look this up. Did you guys remember this? Um, I didn't watch The Wire. <gasps> yeah. I didn't either. Well, no. once you finish Evangelion, you can get straight on that. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Bill Rawls was a character in the show who you just see him in a gay bar when another character comes in. And he's high up, I think, in the mayor's office or the police department. And he has a wife and child. And it's just like when we talk on Pride, it's like having characters that are gay and it's not their whole personality. And mm. I, I could, this was so subtle, I completely forgot it. I haven't watched The Wire in a while. Well, on that note, I mean, Dixon also says Omar from The Wire is a true standout, um, being a ruthless gay black man. Um, he provides an interesting insight on how some marginalized members of society survive in a hyper-masculine environment. Um, and Dixon also goes on to say some of um, their favorite queer films are from Asia, Happy Together, Tropical Malady, and I Don't Want to Sleep Alone. I'm so happy that Dixon has brought this up. It was difficult choosing, obviously, what films to talk about. But yeah. Happy Together and I Don't Want to Sleep Alone are like two of my favorites. Uh, just because it's hard, it's difficult to find uh, queer films that are from Asia. Happy Together is one of my favorite films of all time. Happy Together it's is a so beautiful, beautiful. Film. And yeah. of course, it's Wong Kar Wai, so it's going to be beautiful. But yeah. Tony Leung is great in that. He's so, so good. Um, yeah, just check him out. And just on Omar as well. Like Played by the great Michael K. Williams, who is just fantastic in everything. And Omar is... A drug dealing badass who like it's a part of his personality. You know, there's, he's staying in like uh, abandoned houses, and just there's a scene where he goes out to get cornflakes in the morning, and everyone is terrified of this man walking around in his silk pajamas because Omar coming. Mm. Like that's trouble is coming, and you got to watch out. And it's just brilliant. All right, so we're running out of time. Let's just quickly go through what we got for Fourth of July yesterday. Um, just. React with sounds, you guys. Um, Michael says, how about the axe-wielding vampire killer Abraham Lincoln? Hey! <laughs> okay. Uh, Tenny says, Dirty Harry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah fair mm. enough. Um, and then also points out Rambo, because Rambo. Um, Jun says, American Dad, Men of Honor. Yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, mm. beautiful. This mm. is working out real well. <laughs> um, Danny points out Team America again. Leslie says Top Gun and Tom Cruise in Born on the 4th of July. Yeah, just all Tom Cruise. The cruise <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of cruise. Uh, Cameron Nizam points out Rambo again and all of Stallone movies. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan says um, when it comes to American president, it's Jamie Foxx in White House Town. <laughs> and also a correction, uh, Morgan Freeman is the vice president in the Something Has Fallen films. Ooh, guys. Yeah. Ooh. Um, I he's just been so the president somewhere, though. He has to be. I mean, he's he been the God. voice of God. He was God. So. He was yeah. God. Um, Aisha Sophia goes, does Zombieland count? Yes. Does it? Sure. In Zombieland, yeah, they don't Nebraska, have names. They all have their Tennessee. names they have from where yeah, they're from, from kind of thing, yeah. which is cute. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Jolie Anna says, the Patriot cried and felt so patriotic towards America when watching it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I didn't bring up the Patriot. It just felt like weird Rob Roy, and Rob Roy already feels like weird Braveheart. <laughs> which is just weird already. <laughs> yeah. There we go. All right. Um, we will keep those thoughts coming, actually. We will be doing this again, hopefully, when we have more time to do things other than, ah. Um, so, WhatsApp is 018-789-8899, whether it's about your favorite anime, whether it's about your favorite queer character, 4th of July, just anything you want to chat about, really. Um, you can also tweet us at skipintromy and write us at movies at bfm.my. 